Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor K. And today, I'm pumped. I'm excited because we have on the podcast, Michelle Poehler. That's right. She is an international speaker and author, and she just launched her book. That's right. I am a proud owner of her book, and each page is a piece of art. I highly recommend you getting this book. Please do. She is known as the Fear Girl, and she has built an incredible brand about how to face one's fears. Her brand is called Hello Fears, and she's working with her husband, and they fly around the world. They're an amazing team. It's it's really inspiring to see them work together. It's, it's so, so special. They're flying around the world. They're sharing, and they're empowering all the people that they engage with. I'm so fortunate to call Michelle and Adam dear friends of mine, and it's been amazing to follow Michelle's success and growth over these past few years. And so now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome Michelle Poehler. What's up, Michelle? How are you? What's going on? We Happy to have you here in my home. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. We are sitting here in the heart of everything cool and hip in Williamsburg. Oh, in, yeah. Uh, your home and um, you've been moving around physically, but also you moved apartments. Last time yeah. we hung out of your apartment was like like two years ago. More. More than two years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because two years ago, I was nomad. So I had no apartment and yeah. we've been here for over year. So maybe, yeah, like three years ago. Three years ago. And you were doing the, um, you had this project, you were like uh, writing to, to my younger self. Yeah. Yes. And that was really that was a very cool. I always found that you always had you always had projects going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have like your mass, you have your like your big like Hello Fears brand, which we'll get into shortly. But like, you always had like these like little like nuances or these sh- like shoot offs of like the main brand, like little projects, and like, some of them hit off, some of them not. But you always kept on like trying right. new things to like get the. And it was not always like this. I For my entire life, I never had personal projects. Yeah. It was when I moved to New York and I did the first one that we will talk about now. After that, it was like, this is it. Yeah. Project after project after project. That's what fulfills your soul, I guess. For sure. I mean, you're, you're known as the, the fear girl. Yeah. Um, but you're anything but when you meet, you know, when you meet somebody in person. I mean, you meet in person. Like, you're like, you're confident. You're, you know, eye contact's on point. You know, your presence is very felt and it's comfortable to be around you. Um, but was that, I mean, always like that growing up? Do you remember your earliest fear? Um, you mean like when I was very little? What was your, yeah, what was your first fear? So it's hard to tell, but I do remember one of my first fears when I was very little, which was to walk down the aisle. Um, when I, whenever I was invited to be the flower girl at weddings that Mm. like that. And I know now that I've always had this fear of getting lost. And it started when I was very little. I remember I had to walk by myself, you know, in front of the bride. It's huge, a lot of pressure. But by myself, you know. And so my fear was that I was not going to find my mom or my dad at the end. Like I was going to get lost literally forever. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, 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 that's intense. Then did you, as, as you, as you grew older and you, you know, you started defining what, how did, how did your fears were you always in touch with yourself so well that you were able to identify like this is me acting out of fear or were you just reacting to a point in life that like woke you up and like, oh my gosh, this I can't keep on living like this anymore? Well, I feel like 
our fears are so personal, like our comfort zone is so personal. It is shaped by our experiences and even our parents' experiences and their parents' experiences. So um, you grow up and you start collecting fears that are yours and some that are not yours. You include them in your life. And then it's up to you to realize when your fears are limiting your opportunities. Mm. And that's what happened to me. So I lived with my fears comfortably for about 26 years and then wow. i moved to new york and that's when things started to change new york is the trigger the change all wow. of that that's crazy that's yeah. huge i mean new york city is comes up in so many different people's stories like it's mm -hmm. a pivotal time and it's really cool to hear that within you i actually just released a, a video where um where I'm like walking around the city with, I shot with my boy, Kevin Matosim, really talented cinematographer. And we just capture like, you know, the vibrancy of the city and like talking about how much the city inspires me. And there's so much that the city, you know, it, it changes lives. It builds people up. It can tear people down. There's yeah. a lot of, and so it's cool to see that this was a big pivotal time for you and um, in your story. But before we move into that, I know you, you touched base on like how much fear and we carry not just necessarily from ourselves, from our own personal experiences, but that's put on, on us from our childhood, from parents, grandparents. Um, and so did you feel that growing up? I know in your family, there are, there are people who survived the Holocaust, who went through World War II. Um, was it conscious that you felt that they were always in fear or was, was it something that they always acted upon? They would say, okay, come back at a certain time. Like how did that play out in your actual life? So I think in my actual life, it was more a matter of expecting the worst oh. always. Because it can happen, you yeah. know. Um, and so I learned from about the Holocaust from a young age. And I knew that was a possibility that people can just come to your house and, you know, claim it and then take you somewhere else, break you apart from your family. You know, you're like so vulnerable. Mm. So I grew up with that fear of this happening again and me being part of it so because it happened to literally my grandparents so they had to survive all of that then they moved to venezuela then they had my mom and they raised her um so she understands that the worst can happen mm. so that's how i was raised with a lot of you know don't do this because this can happen don't do this because this can happen and then one day i was like wait what if the best happens you know what if things go right wow. and i think that i've always been a very um positive person very optimistic and i think it was a reaction to my family to to mm -hmm. hearing all these negative outcomes that are a possibility and i'm like what if the positive outcome is also a possibility wow that's, that's i mean that's a change of like this a paradigm shift from mm -hmm. like worrying because like i mean I grew up, you know, having a Jewish mother. I mean, there's always a lot of that, like, or grandmother is always like, the, oh, you're going to leave, you know, you have to bring an umbrella, a winter coat, and like, you know, and, and, and a sled yeah. because you never know it's going to snow or rain. Like, you're always expecting what may not, like, the slightest chance, but you have to always be ready for it. Right. So I think um, I relate to you in that sense that you have, like, growing up in that type of environment, which only comes sense from love, but how we translated, how I translated it growing up as a kid, it could, it could, it could be sometimes even traumatic in a way, even though that's how you know it's generational and it's passed upon. But like it could come translated in fear or holding me down. And there are times in my own like career and life where I realize like, gosh, you know, I know my parents wanted me to like you know settle down. I'm sure this is also mm -hmm. a lot of people could connect with this, like you know, going to college or going 
to a, through a mainstream process of things because that's the safer option. That's, you know, okay, you could guarantee to get X amount of dollars and you can support your family. But um, A, there's really no guarantees. And B, you know, it stifles the creative, you know, or the or the person's personality to go out and explore and, and be them true self. What? And, and another really interesting thing about what you're saying is that um, our family, yeah, because of love, they want to guide us. They want to take us in a certain path. And I went through that path. I literally did everything that I was expected to do. I went to college. I graduated. I found a really good job. I got married. I was doing everything right. I was check, expected. Check, check. To checking all the boxes and then what I realized one day is that because I started having like very mild panic attacks that I was like uh, that was a wake-up call for me like something's wrong and mm. what I realized is that because I started questioning like wait I did everything I was supposed to do why am I not in the top of the world like so happy every single day of my life right. you know why yeah. am I still waiting for something else to come for me to be happy because then I have kids and then what if that doesn't bring me the fulfillment that I'm looking for? And then what else? You know, buying right. a house, having grandkids and dying. Like what what else is there? Ooh, man, I just felt I just felt that. That's right. intense. Yeah, yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. So I started going to therapy at that point. And I had this realization that when we are like guided to to do all these things and it promised lifelong happiness, what it actually gives us is comfort not happiness mm. happiness comes from checking your own boxes from doing the things that will only fulfill your soul so it doesn't come from just finding a job that pays you well or finding a person that will marry you but it's finding the right person is finding a, a job even if it gives you you know not the money you were expecting but the satisfaction and that is what gives you the happiness that you're looking for so it's all about it's stop checking society's boxes and what everybody else expects from you and start checking your own that and, right. and I started building my own boxes right there. Wow, major. The um, you had w was this a pivotal time when you mentioned that you were you know you started having some panic attacks. Your body was telling you like, or your mind, your emotion was telling you, hey, you know, like slow down. There's something that's not right here. Therapy, taking care of yourself. Was this pre or post the 100 Days of Fear project? Did that stem? Did that sort of did that help you? Did therapy or did that self work help you open your mind and say, hey, well, let me try to take on something new and creative? So it was definitely before. So mm -hmm. it was before moving to New York. Mm -hmm. Actually, going to therapy is what made me realize that I've been always wanting to live in New York and I put that aside because I was, you know, following the path that I was expected to follow. And so um, when my therapist brought up New York and she's like, wait, you mentioned New York. Why are you not even considering that? I'm like, no, that's too expensive. No, that's, you right. know, I all should these... start a family already. I shouldn't go to New York. And she started breaking down all those mental barriers for me and making me realize that I was 23 years old at the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And that I have my entire life in front of yes. me and that I can own my own life. Like I can take ownership of it if I decide to do it, if I have the courage. Yeah. And so that's when I I was like, whoa, I should totally move to New York. And so that's what triggered all of this. And, the, and in New York is where I started the 100 Days Without Fear project. Wow, major. I find, I mean, and we, I would love to, I want to segue into that nice, nicely and easily. The Did you find that fear... Um, when you're like 23 years old, you're being so hard on yourself. So it's for my listening, right? Because you have all, you're doing all this stuff and you're doing it right. And like, did you feel like you had also like a fear of disappointment, like a fear of like disappointing your, your parents or grandparents in the way they thought, you know, you should be living your life or what you know, would make them happy? Um, did that, did you feel like that sort of held you back from like living your truth? 
I think that is inevitable. And I love something that my therapist said. She said, growing up means disappointing people. Like Ooh. adulting. She literally said that adulting means disappointing people because you start making choices for yourself. And it's unavoidable. Like you will disappoint people along the way. Um, but that is a choice you have to make for yourself if you want to be happy. And so, yes, moving to New York was a big disappointment for the entire family. Uh, most of my husband's family, because they live in Miami where we were living before. So it was like weird Wait, Why? Why are you leaving? You're supposed to start a family. You know, oh, we're all here. We're it. waiting for it. Right. You already got married two, three, four years ago. What do you mean you're moving to New York? When are you coming back? And so I had to uh, look for an, an expiration date for my New York adventure even before I started it. Wow. So I started telling everybody, I'll come back in two years. Yeah, I'll be back in one year to do my master's in branding because that's why I moved to New York to do a master program and one year to enjoy New York and then we'll be back. Don't worry, we'll have kids in two years. Like The, the plan, the, the plan's plan. still on course. You know, we're just diverting, but we're still on the plan. Right, people need a plan <laughs> yeah. and it, that puts a lot of pressure on, our, on ourselves. And one day I was like, you know what? I'll start answering people. I don't know. And that's it. I'll just say that whenever they ask me, when are you coming back? I don't know. Wow. That's it. And because yeah, I know. Children don't do with that. They don't have, how do you translate that into like something like, you know, in, in reality? What do you mean you don't know? We have to know. We have to plan. We have to. Yeah. And yeah. you don't. It's a matter of doing what feels good for you in the moment. Yeah. You do. You do mention a lot. Um, I mean, quite often about the idea with like when it comes to like having children and building a family and, you know, coming from like a, a, a Jewish home and I'm, anybody from any cultural background, I'm sure could relate to that kind of pressure. I myself are single, so I don't. You know, and, and male, so I can't really relate to the, the pressure of having children per se, but building a relationship and taking certain steps that people expect of. Um, but it, it seems like you've really done the work and you, you've come quite comfortable with the idea of like, you know, being quote unquote older, married, and yet not having children. Um, do, do you, have you worked through it that you don't get per, like offended or attacked? Uh, it's such a personal thing when people ask you like, hey, when you're having kids or like, why didn't you have kids yet? And um, how do you process that? How do you approach that when people do approach you in that manner? Yeah, so that's really hard. And it's a huge topic that we discuss all the time. And for the longest time, I was not even feeling the need to have a kid, right? So I'm like, why would I even consider it? And, I, and when I turned 30 a year and a half Woo! ago, yeah, I freaked out because I was like, oh, I'm 30 and I still don't have a kid. And all my friends are in their second yeah. baby. And I, <laughs> and and so we made the decision, let's have a baby. So when I turned 30 and then I started getting like so pissed at everything, like I was in a bad mood all day long. And that's when I was like, OK, if this decision is making is like bringing the worst out of me, why am I doing it? Like, why, you yeah. know, like, yeah. why oh go that way? That's so, yeah, totally. I just turned 30 uh, January 19th last last week, a week ago. And like, hashtag adulting, like coming up to 30, I was feeling all this angst and anxiety yeah. and I was getting sad. And I was like, what is happening? And I also like, you know, I was bringing this to my therapist, um, just like talking this out. And it was just like all this, again, like another quote unquote suicidal milestone and being, you know, I have most of my friends. I've, I'm, I, I have a fear of making new friends. I have to, I literally have to find making. I have to make new friends because all my friends, I'm really starting to realize, um, and we're so close in a special part place in my heart, and we hang out once in a while. But they, we're in different places, right? They have, they have like three and four kids. Wow. Yeah, they have three and four kids, and like they're hitting like certain milestones within that, like turning, you know, 
three and having their haircut or like yeah. you know i have some kid i have some friends like wow i have a friend who got married at 19 like his kids like he was a kid who's turning bar mitzvah soon i don't know like wow well, yeah it's insane it's the same i have a fr- my really? best friend from college yeah. best friend her older is almost doing bar mitzvah and she has four and wow. and we we don't have much in common sadly at this point mm-hmm. and yes it is important to make new friends that are more aligned with your current lifestyle and your current values yes right and so i've realized like i was trying to hold on for so long and i started to feel lonely because and i wish i was because i had all these friends but i wasn't really hanging out with them anymore and we mm-hmm. didn't have much in common to a certain extent and then like and then i don't have anybody else to lean on i'm professional but like real friendships so that was a new challenge for me to realize that and to say hey you know i have to go out there and become vulnerable and start this process again in my late 20s and start making new friends right yeah and i think that's really important what you're saying because those are the cultural fears so in my talks i break fear apart in three ways so uh, universal cultural and personal fear so the universal fears, we're born with them and everybody, doesn't matter how old you are or where you're from, you are probably afraid of a tarantula, needles, you know, mm, pain, danger. danger. Pain. Yeah. Those are very universal and it's okay to have those fears because those keep us safe and alive. So we don't want to fight against those right. unless they're like limiting your day to day. But if not, th- those are okay to have. But then as we grow, we have cultural fears and cultural fears are determined the way that we present ourselves in front of others and the choices that we make mm-hmm. and it, if we're not careful and we want to fit in that will completely kill our authenticity so if i would have want to fit in because i'm 30 and i want to be like the rest then my authenticity of living my best life and waiting a little bit more before having kids and all of that would have been gone i would have listened to that other need the need to fit in right that's so true i mean there is that element of growing up and saying i mean hearing from older generation parents or mentors or teachers saying like this is how it's done or this is you know you're young now you don't know but you have to trust us and Mm -hmm. how do you i mean how does one navigate that you know between you know understanding one's place and like yeah i'm I'm maybe young in this world and maybe these fears are keeping me safe maybe these are are maybe this is the way of life you Mm -hmm. know um and and or taking the steps of saying no you know what let me do something else let me try something for myself i use i personally use happiness as a way to measure um my success in life and who I should listen, what I should do, when I should change. Mm -hmm. Um, So if what I'm doing is giving me genuine happiness, even though my parents want something else, they want, for example, if my parents really want me to have kids because they've been asking it for the last eight years that we've been married, um, they have to understand that I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. There's nothing missing right now in my life, you know, and they i know they they just want the best for me and so they keep telling me but you have no idea how happy you will be yes but right now why can't you see that i'm already happy that i don't need that and when i want it i will get it you know i will i will fight for that but then right now i'm actually happy you know so i would just say that if you because and also for parents that are watching this and they're they want the best for their kids if you see your kids happy, why change that? You know, why yeah, get in the way? Keep feeding that, right. Keep feeding that or just, right. So get out of the way most, most of the yeah, time. Yeah, right? because if you see your kid unhappy and you keep pushing, yeah, there's a reason why you're pushing. He is unhappy, you know, so you want to help that person. But if that the person is already happy, why get in the way? That's 
whatever that's 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 so true and you know whenever if you do decide and when you have kids one day when, when mm-hmm. that may be you'll be one heck of a parent hopefully <laughs> that'll be amazing we, and we are now thinking about it yeah. finally because uh-huh. for the longest time that was not even a thing in my mind you know yeah. but right now because i'm about to release my book i feel like okay i reach certain milestones that make me feel confident that now i want a kid now i want that something else to mm-hmm. be even happier and have some someone that i can teach everything that we've learning for the last years right so it's, it came back to time me really touching base with yourself understanding you know where do i stand and where i feel am i happy will this decision add to it or maybe i have to let something go and maybe try on that new weight like oh that feels mm-hmm. better and then proceeding on with whatever yeah. you feel like because we all have our own milestones right and i had mine very clear i was like i'm i don't want to become a parent if i don't have the time to dedicate to this kid and in order to have the time i need the resources mm-hmm. and so i need to hit you know i, so I yes goals and, career and, goals or financial right goals. financial and career goals and personal goals i need to feel good about myself confident about myself so i can give my best self to this new person. I think that that person deserves my and my husband's best self. So we need to reach that before we welcome him or her into the world. Totally. Well, bring it back. Before this, your brand took off as the Fear Girl and Hello Fears. I mean, this is one element of you and we're talking a lot about fears and stuff, but like who was Michelle Poller before, you know, this took off? Like what, what, what got you up in the morning and, and, Introduce us to something a bit, you know, a different side to you. Okay, interesting. So I've always had a lot of confidence in myself. I was always an artist since I was little, and I loved everything I did. Um, we always, me all and Adam, kind of we talk about this yeah. a lot, and it's all kinds, like painting. I love color. Mm. So just any expression that I could use a lot of color. Like totally. It shows doing... through your wardrobe as well. Like when you're on like... You Not rock... today, but... Tell low key, low key. We're surprised. <laughs> By the way, this podcast is a blessing because we were trying to lock this down for a while and Michelle travels a whole bunch, which will come out in conversation, but just for traveling the world, public speaking. So like just trying to find this one day between yeah. you're here in town and leaving and me and, and schedules. Anyway, so this is low key... Uh, like yeah. a little glimpse you can see in time. Color Everything. in yeah. the background. Um, totally. Yeah, I love expressing myself through color. So I'm a natural artist. And it's funny because my parents are doctors. <laughs> like wow. my mom is a psychoanalyst. My dad is a surgeon, heart surgeon. Wow. So they never understood what I did so well. So I had to constantly reward myself like verbally, you know, on how yeah. awesome the things I'm creating are. I'm like, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, I did this piece of painting i'm like it's so beautiful like <laughs> so i was i am creative yeah. i am yeah you go michelle <laughs> yes right oh god because your parents they don't process that the no. language of love i mean i mean it's just off they don't right. they don't operate the same They're way like, it's pretty i'm like oh it's no not it's awesome it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great yeah so i became good at that so i i was always very compassionate with myself and and love myself since I was little, which I find a blessing because I know a lot of kids struggle tremendous, with that. Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. So much, yeah, so much, I think, hurt and pain come from, like, not being, like, mm-hmm. able to, to enjoy oneself and to love yes. oneself. Yes, so. and also that goes back to comparison. You're always comparing yourself. And that's something I think my mom did really well. She never allowed me to compare myself to anybody. Huh. Every time I would use that language, like, but that, she's prettier, she's funnier. She would be like, but you are you. You know, and and no one can be you. So mm. that's special by itself. You don't have to be funnier 
the right. amount of funny that you have with the amount of, you know, all these things that you have, creativity, it's what make you who you are. So, um, Wow, that's amazing that she was able to bring you back to center and like cast you in those moments because that could easily go down a deep, dark yeah. spiral. Yeah, and it all place. started because I needed glasses um, when I was little and nobody else in my class had glasses. So I yeah. felt different. Not I cool. didn't like it. Yeah, uncool. So um, she really had to put a lot of effort to make me have the confidence in myself, even though I needed the glasses. So right. I think it all started kind of there until I got it. And I was like, yeah, I'm cool because I have glasses and nobody else have, you know, like. Hey, right. Flipping it on its head, switching it around. Right. Yeah. So authenticity has always been a big part of me. But what changed, um, what the project, you know, did in me is that now I'm more all open to do things that before were not like if they're not in my comfort zone i would not even try them right. um so now i'm more willing to go on adventures and do things that even though they're not in my comfort zone and my instinct is to say no to those things i give them a chance before i would not even give them a chance so i was still very joyful very social person because that's who i am it's part of my being but if it's something outside of my comfort zone, I wouldn't do it. So I missed a lot of experiences. So, for example, when I graduated, I yeah. never went like backpacking to Europe with my friends or took a year off or do, did anything on my own. Oh, wow. I was too afraid. You're just to do too afraid to go things. out and do it. Yeah. Nice. It seems like you're making a lot of work and making all, making up all that travel now in your life. So and you got Adam to share it with, which is really great. But t <laughs> tell us, we, we, we've been sort of circling around this project, you know, where, you know, you came to New York and oh, what's this? So 100 Days of Fear, which I it was safe to say launched, you know, your career and, yeah. and what you're doing today. What inspired you to I know you went you were going mm -hmm. to you, you were going to design school and what inspired you to focus on fear? How did you, how do you pick this topic for your project? Well, so when I moved to New York, which was my dream to be here, um, I realized I was not really enjoying myself here because I was all the time trying to stay in my comfort zone. And New York by itself is outside of anybody else, you know, anybody's oh, yeah, comfort sure. zone. It's just it, it's a it's a challenging city in every aspect. Yeah. And so I was so scared all the time that I was not able to enjoy myself here. And then that's when I realized like, I have to start facing my fears now. Um, this is time to do it. You know, I have my husband that supports me. I'm young enough. I still don't have kids, so I can take <laughs> some risks. Yeah. So um, I moved here to go to do a master's in branding. So do a master program and it was part of the program. So we had to choose one thing to do for 100 days in a row. That was a project to do a 100 day project. Most of the people did things related to branding. And mm. I thought this was a perfect opportunity for me to face 100 fears and do something about it. And also I decided to challenge myself to do it in the most professional way possible. So then I could use that to apply for a job. Smart. Okay, there you go. That would be a segue. Was, wasn't the end goal. It was just a way to get a job within yeah. branding. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'll become a, this is win-win. I'll become a braver person for me, for my husband, for my children in the future. And then at the same time, I can prove to really awesome companies in New York that I can, create a social project and make it, you know, big, make it relatable, make it fun, make it engaging and mm. all of those things. So they can then hire me to do projects for them. Got it. Wow. And so when you, when you launched off this 100 days, um, uh, project, when you mm -hmm. launched a hundred days project, 
did you get any feedback from your professor like or from people in your class that you know it wasn't a great idea or was it were you already getting shut down before it began or did you find support around the idea well first of all i found a lot of support from my classmates classmates because they could see how fearful of a person i was oh, wow. and they wanted to oh, they were like please michelle please go face your fear so every time i found an excuse not to do that and maybe i was like no let's try a hundred restaurants better <laughs> they would be like no you're going with the fears so that was good to have that support and my husband's support but then the professor of the class she was worried because she was like this is a lot like it will take a lot of your time to face one fear a day, record a video, edit a video, upload that to YouTube, distribute that in all your platforms. Like that's a lot of work. Like I don't, th she was not really convinced that I should do that. Mm -hmm. And after the first week, she saw me so like I, I was not sleeping because I, I yeah, had no were, time. You were just so busy with it. I was literally working full time in advertising. I was wow. going to my master's in branding at night and then I was facing a fear and doing a video and all of it once wow. a day the New York hustle was strong with you yes yeah. and she was worried when she saw me she's like Michelle I'm worried you haven't slept in a whole week I'm like I'm so happy <laughs> I'm the happiest I've ever been like wow. yeah but isn't that crazy like it's sort of the opposite you may think like okay facing fears will drain you it'll take you away it'll deplete you put you down put you in a scary or bad mood and here it was you're facing fears and you're just getting more energized yeah. by every time you, you stepped into it every time every time you face a fear you realize it was not as bad as you thought. And you're like, I can do that again. And so you want to challenge yourself a little bit more. And it, it's like, yeah, heroin it, or something that it just, you just, want more. It's a drug. Yeah. It becomes like a drug. Of like, Self-betterment yeah. becomes an addiction in, 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 in a healthy way. Um, the um, I did actually go and come across your first video that you did upload. And like, you know, sitting here in front of me and talking with you, like it was light years of a different person yeah. from like the person who was like standing by the wall in front of the camera like hey it's my first day launching this project and today is my challenge just taking on this project like it's 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 you've come a, a, such a long way in seemingly a very short amount of time it's only been a couple of years or four years now it will be five years five in years April. five uh -huh. years yeah. and which is which is quite incredible to see like the kind of person that you built and the life that you built around it which mm -hmm. is quite amazing um, you have some really fun fears on th that we captured on video uh, from skydiving, from trying different types of foods and interacting with spiders and the walking around your pajamas and whatnot. Was, is there any fear? Well, first question is, um, is it from the video aspect, are there any favorites, any favorite fear that you did record that you, that's, that you loved? Um, dancing in the middle of Times Square. I think that's a that's one of the favorites for yeah. everybody. It's just such a fun video. And at the same time, it was a big lesson for me because I was like, sure, I can go dance in Times Square, I guess. And then it was, of course, intimidating at the beginning because I was the only one listening to the music. I put my earphones. I started dancing, very self-aware of what people might be thinking of me. But it's New York. It's right. okay. It's <laughs> yeah. But then little by little, I started to get really into the mood and to the music. And then people started joining me. And then there were a lot of people dancing with me all over and it became a dance party in the middle of Times Square. Wow. And then at the end of the video, I approached Adam because he was there recording it. And I'm like, this is what living life to the fullest feels like. I literally experienced it for the first time in my life. And so I try to identify what about it, what happened that gave me that experience, right? Living life to the fullest. Like, it sounds good, but you feel like it's not real. Like, I don't yeah. know. I heard yeah, 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 in yeah. songs it, and whatever, but it's like, eh. Sure. More, more in public. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then what I realized is that 
it only happens when you do the things you love like no one's watching because mm. that was the challenge to dance like no one's watching and so i had to picture myself at home doing all these moves mm. and when i was able to forget that people were there watching judging that's when i started to enjoy the moment to the fullest so what i learned is that whatever you like to do if you do it like no one's watching then you'll experience that living life to a fullest Enjoy. moment. And eventually perhaps people will start watching but through through a supportive way. But it also goes back to the idea of like how much we do things because people are watching and we oh feel like God. they're watching and then yeah. that just dictates, you know. So letting go of those fears and a, a most people aren't even watching they're going yeah. about their own lives and their right. own and their own in their own heads and second if someone has the time and, and the capacity to watch and to judge and to yeah then it's like do i really want to mm -hmm. you know live my life from someone who is perhaps going through their own struggles or their own judgmental ideas right. like why would that even bother me but of course the mind could play tricks on ourselves yeah and i think that it's so fascinating the how personal fear is because when people look at the list of things i did some of the ones that i'm not it was not a big deal for me they are like i would never mm. in my life like the other day i did an interview with rachel hollis Amazing. And, wow. Yeah. Wow. And she was like, tell me some of the fears. Like, what was a fun one? And I'm like, oh, fun was crashing a wedding. And she's like, I would never in my entire life. <laughs> like, I'd rather, you know, do the worst one that you did. Like, the, the, any. She couldn't even like fathom doing that. Uh-huh. Instead of crashing a wedding. And I'm like, what? To me, that was like a no brain. Like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's crash a wedding. And it was really fun. She was like, no, I can't. And it's so relative. Like for right. her, it comes with her, I don't know, her her upbringing. Something about it made her so fearful of that. Right. Did you guys delve into that? You know, she held the interview. Did she share with you why? Yeah. Oh. She said that she could not, she can't live with herself knowing that she did something wrong. Something that is not allowed. Something that mm. may or may not hurt other people like you know wow. getting into someone else's wedding you don't know how they will react so she can't do that and i grew up crashing a lot of weddings in venezuela <laughs> yeah when gotta I was eat, little. You know? you gotta, yeah yeah when i was a teenager that's what i did every saturday but it was very different experience to do it in new york where that is not expected you right, know for sure not. that's that, that is pretty amazing i mean I, I used to crash weddings when i was studying abroad um there was like this wedding hall down the road and like the food sucked. It was terrible in, in the in the high school that I was going to. It was boring school and it was terrible. So we would literally every like maybe three, four times a week, we would actually go and we would work for our meal though. We, we, could, we would go out and dance and we, we were like the attire. Right. We knew what the theme was. We would put on a suit. We would break it down. We would time it right so the dancing would begin. We would come in. We would break, you know, break it down, bring the energy. People were like, what? Oh, yeah, related to the broom. Oh, related to the bride. It was, you know, we're distant cousins. And then we're sitting, hanging around and we like eat, have dinner, which was like, like we were giving and taking it was a good it was a good deal so we should do that together I yeah think that we, should. <laughs> we would rock i should it have out. called you I, I, hey i'm <laughs> kidding me you gotta you gotta let me know you gotta let me know yeah, next, next time, time. If you see any fears let me yes. know yes uh, is there a fear that you didn't record that um that you did enjoy or, or was fearful or like a story around that well so th there were some fears that were really hard to capture in video that I still enjoy and it was hard, you know, it was just sad that I couldn't put all of them in video. And also, um, and any fear that I wanted to face, I had to think video first, right? Mm. But yeah, some I couldn't capture. For example, I wanted to do that when you go to the hand reading or tarot or yeah they're like the psychic psychic, psychic readers yeah, yeah. Um, i wanted to do that because i never did it in my life before i was sure. 
um, terrified of whatever they could tell me. Me too. I feel like, but I mean, is it fear? Because for me, I, I was just so brought up in like that. It's like whatever they say may become true or su- superstition, fear, superstition, fear, definitely yeah. fear, right? It, it, yeah, like it's it fear, right? Yeah, yeah you don't sure. know if they will tell you your someone will die and then you're. Mm. It, it even happened to my parents one day. This patient like my dad you know his Heart patient yeah. um was telling her like your wife will die this year and he never said anything and for the whole year he waited for my mom to die and it never happened <laughs> that's horrible that's terrible oh my I gosh know. talk about living in fear that's yeah. insane so, so they told me that and i was like i'm never going to one of those people yeah. but you know in order to face my 100 fears i had, had to, to get creative you had to do it you gotta get i creative. went for it and so i and she didn't allow me to record the conversation oh. so i i just i shared it over like writing and i blocked about it but it was sad because it was a really good conversation was and it? it was not scary at all it did was she, the opposite of scary it was empowering re- empowering did she did whatever you guys discussed about did mm-hmm. things come to true did it, did it come into fruition well it's not like this will happen. Okay. I never it was done it more myself, so about know. questioning and letting me th- know things about my actual life. Like, for example, she said, did, did someone close to you died recently? And I was like, no. It's starting really bad. Talking <laughs> yeah. about death. Yeah. <laughs> Fear. <laughs> Fear is no. no. <laughs> abort, abort. Yeah, <laughs> bye. Yeah. And they left. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, okay. So she, um, and I said, no, why? And she said, because you have an angel, like, taking care of you. And I know that's true. I know, like, I've always felt like there's someone making sure I'm all right. Nothing happens to me. You know, so just she saying that made me feel good like wow. oh that's good i don't know who it is but thank you angel so got my back <laughs> yeah so things like that but cool. and, and it was more about my personality like you seem more of a this kind of person be careful because you might get easily you know affected by whatever things like that but mm. it was not bad at all it was more like going to therapy <laughs> yeah i mean well i got it cool amazing <laughs> the um and when day 40 came about you know that's when media caught mm-hmm. on and things blew up did things did it play out the way that you thought it would? I mean, you started day one. It was I'm gonna ask, so I guess I can answer my own questions now. It didn't play out because officially, initially, you thought you just use a segue in to get a good job and say, "Hey guys, this is what I did." So when day forty came about, tell, bring me to that day of like when media picked it up and things started to blow up. How did you process that all? Yeah, so that's a whole. I could do a whole podcast on oh. going viral. Oh, and, going viral, right? So and how that—that's actually a whole chapter in my book, <laughs> just that. But um, let me think. So first of all, it's something I wanted. I wanted to happen. Even I even found a little paper with my like New Year's resolution and wishes for that year. And yeah. my wish was to go viral with my 100 day project. It was not even I didn't know it was about it was going to be about fear when mm. I wrote that. I thought it was going to be about branding or design or something. I didn't know. I was just like, I'm going to do something so awesome that people will pick up on it and they will love it. Yes. So that was my intention. So when it went viral, it kind of felt like I knew. It was, was going it. to happen. Wow. It was still pretty mind blowing and this actually this is actually happening. Yeah. But how specific? I mean, that's amazing. Like you actually wrote down one of your one of your goals was like it was very specific. Like mm-hmm. this project will go viral. It wasn't yeah. just like, oh, I want to go viral or like, you know, I want this to go well. Like and I think there's I mean, a lot of like self-development, you know, mentors and people talk about it all the time, like goal setting and writing down and yeah. affirmation. 
And it's, it's cool to see that play out because I really believe in energy and just mm-hmm. like things, actualization, loss of attraction, whatever you may think, how you want to word it. So it's it's really amazing to see that you wrote it down and then it actually played out as it did. Yeah. And actually, I realized I wrote it down um, like the next year because oh. every year I, you know, I just write the, those sure. things, put it in a box and then I open it again a year later. So when I open it up and I saw that what I wrote happened, like became a reality, it was pretty mind blowing at wow. that point because I was like. I predicted this, like, but I forgot that I wrote about it. You know, I, it's in yeah, your head, course, but the fact course. that I wrote it, it's pretty cool. I have that paper where I wrote it. Um, oh, and man. so, yeah, so it happened. It was crazy. And the most important thing that I did there was to ride that wave in a way that it could change my life and not just leave it there. Because a lot of people might go viral and they can be in so many websites and then get over it and then continue with their lives. And I was like, this is where my life changes and I'm going to make sure that happens. So I took advantage of this moment to um, reach out to people, to um, transform my my career and everything so that was a big i mean that was a massive step because of of pivoting and and like you said riding the wave not letting just die out like Mm -hmm. oh yeah go do the interviews and 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 that's it do you feel like how do you feel like your background in marketing design helped you create and be ready for this opportunity or like how did you have the know-how and realize like hey I wanted this is a great opportunity for me to like build this new life for myself. So I think you're never ready for it, you know, but um, yes, you have to in that moment tap into all your skills. And then one of my skills is to make connections and meet new people. So I was like, who can help me with this? So I got in contact with this virality expert. Her name is Karen X Chang. She she used to work for Microsoft. She went viral with her video quitting Microsoft and then she decided to understand what virality is all about and how to replicate it so she started replicating viral videos and to me that was impressive and so we had a call and I'm like hey I'm viral what should I do and she gave me really good advice she said you have to understand why your project went viral what about it are people so you know hooked up like they love it so much that they're picking up on your project and then turn that into a business she's like that's what I did and now my whole business is to do viral videos for brands so what do you want to do in in a year because no one will remember your name in a year you won't be in the news so enjoy it while it lasts but that will fade away for sure and so turn that into a business I was like I had that in my mind what is it I had to get to the root of it so I was like facing my own fears is relatable people feel inspired to face their own fears just by watching me face my fears so how can i turn this into a business and then that's how the speaking business started Mm. that's how i turn it around that's incredible so i mean and you've always i mean it is amazing when we met like like also like three over three years ago it was things were launching off you were in the motion but yet you were still like hey i want to create this you know go even bigger with your speaking career and now fast forward these years and you've i mean it's amazing to follow you and and to see what you're up to because you're like just besides all the incredible brands that you've spoken with, like Facebook, Microsoft, mm-hmm. you know, Wix, whatever around the world, you're also like, you hit up so many incredible, like the schools and talking to uh, teenagers and having a major impact on that demographic and lifestyle. So like it has, it's just amazing to see people grow and like have those goals and those ideas and like visions for themselves. And then to see it play out mm-hmm. through hard work, through dedication, through hustle, through, through hustle, right? Through hustle, through passion. So I mean that that is amazing, and you're 
and you have been an inspiration for me uh, for all this time. That so it's it's really it's really and I'm just mentioning and grateful for you to have this Aww. conversation with me. So <laughs> it's it's amazing in that sense. You have you're on all the social media pro- platforms and you your project went viral. What's interesting though is that you have a very strong community of people. You have a, ma- a major con- um, people contributing on your website and and and. Um, and articles and mm-hmm. always pumping out video and content. However, sometimes those, it doesn't necessarily reflect necessarily in views. Um, so I guess it's two questions. One is how did, have you been affected by views? I know for myself, like initially when I went viral a few times and I didn't see this shifting, but like I, I sort of became addicted to the initially yeah. to the, to the view count. Yeah. And then like, okay, if I didn't, videos didn't go as well, then like it would bring me down. And then eventually I, mm-hmm. through work and reflection, I realized how I can't be, affected by the outcome we just have to put the effort in um so a did you ever go through that yourself when putting it after the virality slowed down was there a period of time that you got maybe sad or you went through something like oh my gosh why isn't this working anymore Mm -hmm. um yeah that's yeah no that's a great question and the answer is it is yeah it's so hard to face that reality of i'm not viral anymore so my videos went from every video having at least thirty thousand views to doing my dear younger self videos and it was hard to get to a thousand views right and that was painful because it's like okay clearly people want to see me in action just go face a fear take a risk because it's exciting more exciting than me in my couch speaking to a camera about things that i i reflect on but then what i started doing and this is more recently is i started measuring my engagement in terms of impact instead of numbers so i used to be very focused on growing my numbers like growing my following growing my likes and my comments and this and that and now i care more about growing the impact so even if i have a few comments but people saying things like, I needed to hear this today or this comment completely shift the way my week go or I found a new job because of this or my, my boss gave me a raise. Wow. Those things, if I just have three of those, you know, instead of a thousand comments, that's worth for me way more. So I'm not focused anymore on numbers and that helps a lot with my mental health. Totally. <laughs> right? Oh man, yeah. That, yeah. I totally relate to that and, and, and vibe with that for sure. Because right. ultimately that, I mean, that's ultimately what, at least what what we want to do, what I want to do as well is, is to impact people's lives. But that illusion mm-hmm. of the number game can, you know, because people can be addicted. I always looked at people, I never got them. Like, oh, they could be addicted to the getting money, right? Numbers, they wanted a lot more money. I'm like, I never got that. But now yeah. in, in hindsight, I'm like, I had the same exact thing. It wasn't necessarily green, but it was mm-hmm. just, a, it was digital. It was yeah. building just more and more virility, more and more, you know, numbers, which not necessarily does always bring back to a community. Yeah. Your video could go, it can go viral, but not yeah. necessarily where anybody watch your next video or totally. connect with your next message but yeah it's like you could have millions of views on on a facebook video you don't know who they are totally i right. have way less on my instagram but i know them yes. i interact with them through dm i know their little photo the, their handle their story and it's fascinating because now when i i not normally do um like events for my community it's all online and then my events are for companies that are hiring me so i just go nobody knows who i am i speak then they, everybody knows who i am right. then they become part of my community but a lot of people they've been following me for four years and they've never met me in person it's their dream so we started doing more events for the community mostly when we travel to a country where we know we have followers so we were just in uh, chile and argentina and we did two events there wow. and i was so surprised because first First, we did Argentina. We found a place for 200, 
200 people. And I was like, yeah, let's try to sell a few tickets for that. Okay, in one day, sold out. Wow. 200 in Argentina, a place I've never been, you know? And that's I, amazing. That was that's, and that's real. That's yeah. like, this is, it's not just like a view on, these are people showing up, paying right. money to see you, meet you, and experience yeah. your, yeah, your energy. And then we called the place and we're like, okay, we're sold out. Can we put more chairs? Like, we have more people that need a ticket and then they're like we can put 50 more chairs we sold those in half an hour so oh my god the event was you know completely sold out wow. the first day and for the next weeks before the event happened i had received so many dms of people saying i can't believe i'm going to miss it please do another one and then then for chile i was like okay i'll i'll do an event a little bit bigger 320 people first day sold out unbelievable so many people couldn't come <laughs> that's incredible it's incredible and, and it's like this People are real. They're yeah, not only on my like, iPhone. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> and they make you feel so good. And I want to make them feel so good. It's such a special event. It's not like the rest of the events that I do. And for example, one cool thing that we did, me and Adam, because I haven't said this here, but we were I work together with my husband. Yes. Have, uh, he's my manager. As, as you're speaking this throughout all the time, I'm sorry to cut you off the bell. I see Adam in behind the camera just smiling. Woo! <laughs> there yeah. he is there he is he's, he's right there he's right there smiling just taking it all in like he's yeah. incredible but keep on please keep praising adam because so, so yeah I so love we him as do well. this together and and people are not only excited to see me but also excited to see him because they follow him also and he has a lot of great content about personal finances in spanish so um we go do these events and my favorite part is that we decided to greet people in the door so imagine so personal exactly so instead of hiding like in and even the guy from the place was like michelle here's your little room you can hide here until everybody's in there yeah and then you come out you know do your thing yeah and i was like i don't want to be in that little room i want to be with all the people that are here to see me so we went to the entrance and then after they scan, scan their ticket they would walk towards the door and the first thing they would see is me and adam wow. with our open arms like hi and they Thanks for coming no no they were like freaking out they're oh. like oh, you're here you're real and they hugged us they took selfies so it was like a great way to welcome them it's just like someone's going into your home right. why would you hide <laughs> oh my gosh that's that's incredible that's such a that's so on brand so but also so you like it's so incredible to talk about authenticity like how you really have like your brand and everything that you've built and you show up for in life is really how you show up and like who you are and for that to to spill over in both parts of your life is really uncommon um and especially in this digital age so that's it makes so much sense and yet like so like aha moment because that's what i'm all used to you go to an event someone comes out from they come and now give it up for and they come on stage yeah. they make class but like to, even something as simple as that is such it's, it's a game it's it's a game cha changer yeah and and also one of the fears that i now have is fear of success Mm. which is something I like? never experienced. And I was like, that's bullshit. Like, well, how can you be afraid of ha having success? I mean, you know? first of all, a success. I mean, you, um, you launched in a book, you launched a book, you, you're a public speaker. You've you spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people. What, su what success are you afraid of right now? Well, so I can put together 300 to 500 people in Argentina or Chile or some other places in the world where I have following. But um, I know that the next step, like, for example, looking at Rachel Hollis, right? She can put together 5,000 people in one in one city. Now your right? mom says, don't compare. No. Don't. So it's not about comparison, but it's like knowing what, what is the best that can happen. Like, what if that happens? And the fear mm -hmm. is, because there is fear to that, is that I will lose touch with the 
300 people that I am in contact with, you know, because right. I because it's still small, my success compared with what it can be. I, I get to interact with people on the day to day. I answer 100 percent of my DMs. On Instagram, I want to give my best to everybody that follows me. And then when you blow up, then it's really hard. You can't do that anymore. So mm. that I will miss that part that, if it happens. Yes. You and never know. There's, I, <laughs> no, but there's no doubt showing the, the, the graph of your career and your way of being. It's, it will happen. And, and, and hopefully, rightfully so, because you do put a lot of work into it, you and Adam as a team. And um, and your message is so important to be listened to and to and to and to be lived by. So, but now facing let's say this new fear, right? This new fear of success and whatnot. How how does one? How do you go about tackling that now? And is it easier in a way because you have all this history and all this experience tackling fears? So I trust a lot in myself and my ability to handle whatever comes at me um, after everything we've been through. And I I trust more than myself. I trust that we can do it together that we need both of us uh, in order to figure out things and know how to choose on what to do, what to, you know, leave aside because there are so many options there that that's a, a challenge by itself. But um, I am afraid, but at the same time, very hopeful, very confident and excited, very excited for the future. Amazing. Before we do head off into hearing a bit more about your future and I want to hear more about your book as well, which has been sitting here on the table throughout this whole interview. And for those who who are at home, you could actually look at it. Beautiful. I love the cover. And uh, yeah, you can lift it up. There. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Voila. It's standing now up, right? So the wide shot is capturing the beautiful cover. And it's been really cool because I what I've noticed through your um, through your brand is you're so involved with your with your community. You're always asking them questions. With this book, you were asking them their advice, getting people in your community to design the covers, sharing those those um, those cover designs as well. And like for me, I always want things to be perfect. Like I want to just yeah. share it and like it's ready and now here it is and bada boom. And what's so nice about your process is that, you know, it's mistakes and there's, okay, this could be better and hearing feedback and sharing and, and really involves the people in your community, which I... I'm just taking notes and learning mm -hmm. from myself. And I think it's, such, it's so incredible to see that. And it's cool to see, now see the cover that you went ahead with, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so kudos to that. Um, I just want to touch base on because I love something that you talk about in your talks. And I'm sure you've talked about it in your book. But hearing, here we are right now in the present. So let's milk it. Um, the opposite of fear is not failure, but... Comfort. But comfort. Yeah. So when you asked me about... Who was I before the project, before becoming the person I am before? I was a comfortable person. I, I was the person seeking comfort because that's what I was taught to seek, mm -hmm. you know, find a husband, find a good job, find graduated from a good school. All those things lead you to comfort. And so I was like, oh, that's where happiness is in comfort. But then when I, I realized I was not happy, that's when it hit me. Happiness is not comfort, it's the opposite. Like your happiness is probably outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And so that is the opposite of success because every time we choose comfort, we are farther and farther away from reaching our goals. So what are maybe three mm -hmm. ways, there's three tips, you know, that someone who is at home listening or watching this can take away and start their process and maybe finding their fears, like what am I truly fearful about and taking action and conquering those fears. So first, it's really important that you determine what is your own definition of success. 
that can be a challenge on itself. Um, we're so driven by other people's definition of success that we stop questioning what is our definition. Maybe your definition is to be a uh, stay-at-home dad and you would be fine with that. You would be happy with that even though society thinks that, mm -hmm. you know, right. it's wrong. Right. Then it's a matter of that because for some... I have a very typical definition of success, more exposure, more followers, more money, you know, that. And I've been achieving that and it's been making me happy. But for example, my husband on the other side, he's been realizing that he doesn't want followers. Like he has a lot of followers, but he's like, right. maybe that's not what I want. Uh -huh. You know, maybe he's questioning the typical definition of success. And that gave me a lot of perspective. And now I understand that we're not all wired the same way. And that once you understand what is your definition of success, then you would be more aligned with your goals. And so that is the first step. And also, for example, in my case, definition of success to having a family, you know, younger in life, that was right. not fitting my own definition, sure. you know? So, yeah. Recognizing it, that and taking actions of like, okay, what is it that, that does feed me that I want right now? Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. Um, just understanding that. Then I would say... Um, the, the idea of instead of comparing yourself to people around you, try to contrast. I think that mm. can lead you to becoming your most authentic self because authenticity is one of the most valuable things in this world today. You know, yeah. people are craving authenticity, people that are more real, more themselves. So it's a matter of contrasting in, instead of comparing. That would be my second advice. And to do that, because... This is what the difference between these two words. Um, when you compare yourself, you're looking outside and trying to identify everything that you're missing. So you're you look at someone and you're like, I should be funnier, like mayor. Right. Uh. I should be, you know, <laughs> smarter, like this other guy. I should be, and you right. start. You're, you're focusing on the things right that are missing in your life yes. or what you're less that are not good at. Exactly, things yeah. you don't have. But when you want to contrast, the only way to do it is by looking inside. There's no way to contrast if you don't look inside. And then you need the courage to bring the inside out, even if it's not perfect. For example, my Latin culture gives me a lot of things. One of those is my accent. And instead of feeling bad that I can't talk like an American, right. you know, I have to feel good about it that I'm different because of it. And that I, it means that I have two languages at least. So that that's pretty valuable. It's incredible. And you, and, you, and you, by default, you actually, not default, by hard work, you have another huge community and access right. to people that you, an English speaker will only have access to. Right. So that's amazing. And by the way, hearing, I was, because I was went down the, the Michelle Polo rabbit hole before this poll, you know, just to brush myself up on your history, your earlier interviews compared to now, your English has improved tremendously. I yeah. mean, you still have the accent, but like, <laughs> it's like you're just, you're, you're on it. You're on it, which right. is really cool practice, to see. Practice, practice. Yeah, practice. Yeah, I mean, you do, you are a speaker professionally. Okay, um, and then also, for example, I start all my talks, uh, my presentations, dancing reggaeton, yeah. which is a way a to embrace, dale. yes, my Latin culture is my immediate way of telling people I'm different. That it all comes through contrasting um, everything that you can do that is just, you know, from you to the world instead of, oh, I picked all these things from other people and I put it into my work. Then yeah. that has a lot of value. And the third thing that I would suggest people to do if they want to start facing their fears and achieve their own goals would be to think of the best case scenario instead of the worst case scenario. Because our mind immediately, it, that's natural. We immediately go to what's the worst that could happen. You don't need to ask yourself that question in order to go there. Your mind will go there. Yeah, don't worry. Default, you will consider it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. But, <coughs> but um, you can 
train your mind to think about the best that can happen. So that is the question that I try to ask myself before doing anything that is scary. So before going on stage, when I'm terrified, I ask myself, wait, what's the best that can happen? And then I'm like, okay, what if it goes well? What if the audience react positively to it? What if they do laugh at my jokes? jokes? What if I do remember the entire thing? So just considering the, the best case scenarios can trigger your brain to take action in a much more positive way. And and it's what, yeah, will... Will propel you to think Yeah, action. push you <laughs> to do it. Because if you're only thinking, it, this will go really bad. This audience will hate me. Uh, I probably, I will forget half of it. If you go with that mindset, probably it will happen. Of like course, that's yeah. what you're that's showing, it. you know? So it's all about asking yourself, what's the best that can happen? Mm. So what's the best that can happen now moving forward in the next 2020 for Michelle? So... <laughs> for Hello Fears. I think it's hard to dream big also. Um, it's, I think, harder to dream big than to not dream at all. Yeah. Because not dreaming is going back to your comfort and dreaming big is definitely outside of anybody's That's... comfort zone because you're putting out there your desires and that is scary because it may not happen so i'm going to do a scary thing yes. and i'm going to put my desires out into the world because i also heard that if you don't put your desires out, no one will know about it no one will help you make those dream a reality yes so right. those people that keep their wishes to themselves you're probably very far from achieving those right you got to put it out there. you got to maybe get vulnerable with it having the fear of perhaps of not working out or going a different way and allowing people for, in a way, asking for help. Like, hey, yes. this is what I want yeah. to do. And like, right. can we can we make this happen? Yeah. So the best that can happen for me 2020 would be in May 5th. This book goes out into the world. Hello Fears is the name of the book. If you want to find it, it's already on Amazon. And I my dream now is to get 10,000 pre-orders by the first week, starting today. Uh, we already have a thousand, so we're Huge. only 9,000 books away. Amazing. Not bad. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. And then this book making a huge impact. I don't know, having hundreds of thousands of sales in the first couple of years, that would be the best that could happen. Of course, a million sales wouldn't hurt, yes. but. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, just want the impact to be, you know, bigger and, and Yes. We can have it in different languages as well, just English for now. First, it will be released in English, but hopefully it will come out in different languages. With the success of the book, sure. Yeah, with the success of it and in Audible and all of that. But I'm very, very proud of it. It looks amazing. Every every page is like a piece of art. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, I have the book in my hands right now. I'm holding it, and as those who are watching can see it. But it's it's definitely it oozes your your creative branding and touch i always always enjoyed i always loved from from the get-go like the, the typography that you use and the, the 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 animation that you use and the the cartoons that you use it's always just very light very fun and hits the point even on your website you have like this one little bit of a hundred the hundred uh, courageous things uh -huh. one can do yeah and each i went through them the other night yeah. and I just i loved and resonated each and every one i also loved just little anim little illustrations that you have that are to it so anyways bringing it back to the book um it feels like it's an encyclopedia, which is not to scare you <laughs> off because um, it's um, it's oozing with lots and lots of insight and um, and information and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I personally, one thousand and one, I plan to purchase one of these books as well. So yes, and uh, for all those who are listening, I you know, 
just from listening from this podcast and doing a little research on your own on Michelle, you'll see how much she has to share and how much she's faced and she lives, she lives it. Just not just preaching about it, but she actually, you, you, she, you, yeah. you <laughs> tackle it um, every single day, which is quite amazing. Yeah. So um, thank you very much, Michelle, oh, for no. having me here and uh, for sharing your message, your time. Big shout out to Adam, um, <laughs> who is, of course, part of the Hello Fears team and uh, just a good friend as well. I really appreciate you and uh, wishing lots of success and only love and positivity and continuous growth in all that you do. Ah, thank you so much. This was amazing. I always enjoy conversations with you. Please, let's keep facing fears together and doing more of this awesome conversations. So amazing. And for, for those who me. want to follow you and find you, where can they find you? So, hello, fears everywhere. YouTube, Instagram. Instagram is where I live and breathe. Like, that's where I actually live. That's my home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's definitely not this apartment. <laughs> no, no. This is just, um, <laughs> just yeah, props. Um, yeah. So, anywhere, hello, fears, hellofears.com. And if you want to find out more about my speaking, go to michellepoller.com and you can watch my demo reel. And yeah, let's be in contact. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Thank you again, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And thank you, Michelle, for coming through and sharing your story and journey with us. And if this episode brought you any value, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe to the channel. You can also watch this episode along with all the other episodes on my YouTube channel where we record, video record all the episodes as well. Subscribe, rate, share, do it all. Please do. It goes a long way. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time today to listening to this podcast. So until next Monday when we launch our new podcast, I want to wish you a fantastic, beautiful, and great day ahead.